So I say go with um, something that you're, you're passionate about. Go with your strengths. Go with something that, you know, I, as I joked around earlier about looking around, look at the things in front of you, look at your actions, your habits. What are those things that you're doing that you don't mind doing and that you can translate into, into a business? You know, if you, if you like talking to people all day, you know, maybe, you know, being a counselor or something or opening up your own counselor and counsel, you know, counseling career counseling center isn't a bad idea. Um, know your industry, know who you're up against, right? So um, know your competition. And if there's there's people that are or companies that are doing what you're doing and have a large market share, you're going to be trying to fight, um, contest a lot of that market share. So try to offer something that separates or divides you um, either in, in, in a lower cost or in a, in just more of a, what I, what I've read as a blue ocean way. So something that, you know, is different, right. That still offers the same value proposition. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the inventive journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have a, another great guest on the podcast, Kwan Karadagi, if hopefully I got it close. And uh, Kwan um, is a quick introduction, was born in Romania, raised in France, and in his own words, he was the worst student in high school. I don't know if it was really the worst, but uh, was uh, got or was uh, or had a poor GPA and was uh, failing some of the main classes. Uh, but made it through high school and went to community college, studied business and finance, um, and then got, I think, into acting and took some acting classes and had a friend convince him to move to L.A. to get into do even more of acting. And then uh, had a, I don't know if it's the same or another friend, now that I think about it, um, and also got into more of uh, doing training and uh, working out and getting healthy and fed. And that led to uh, getting into getting a lot of certifications, doing a whole bunch of crazy uh, races and other activities, and then getting into uh, gym franchises. So with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Quan. Evan, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. That's quite the introduction. I don't know if I can live up to all that. <laughs> oh, I have the uttermost confidence. You'll you'll even exceed it. So, <laughs> so, um, so with that, I give kind of a, a quick run through of a much longer journey. So maybe take us a bit and back in time to growing up in Romania or being born in Romania, growing up in France and kind of how you got started in high school and, and how your journey started from there. Yeah, thanks, Devin. It's basically, you know, it started out, we, my mom and dad at the time were studying in, in Europe. So we, um, they eventually got divorced. I moved to, to Virginia there to basically start, you know, school and live with my, my grandparents at the time with my, with my mother as well. And, um, we, we sort of built a life there and I don't know if you've ever been to Virginia, it's a little bit, um, on the, uh, it's a good place to, to retire. Let's just put it that way. And you had Washington DC close by. So it was always great to, to get there, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting move there and just getting to the States and, and sort of, you know, learning everything from, from the ground up at, I think I was like seven years old when I, when I started and, uh, you know, I love the United States and, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without, uh, without the U S so, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, growing up and it was a challenging time to, to be only speaking, you know, my Kurdish and French as my, as my languages. So I was, uh, I was having a tough time communicating, but then I, I obviously learned, um, you know, English and, and excelled there. 
so now, so you did, and so you, you, you know, you're growing up in France, high school wasn't, or wasn't quite your thing, but you made it through, went and got a business and finance degree. Now, did you go right into, you know, deciding you wanted to do acting and doing acting classes after getting the, or done with the community college, or is that, your mind was that a shift during college, or was that after college, or kind of, how did you go from, hey, I'm going to do business and finance to, I'm going to go be an actor, how did that work out? Yeah, great question, Devin. So I, you know, everything I'm, I'm where I am in my life because the people that took an interest in me and basically, you know, um, just asked me the right questions. And I, I just, you know, rose to the occasion of answering them, I guess. So um, I had gotten into it because uh, business, because I, I was always a little bit intrigued by by business. And I thought it was the, the, the cool thing to get into. So you just have an answer when people kind of asked you what you wanted to do with your life. And so I did that. And then um, after doing that, I said, okay, well, my heart wasn't really in that as as much. So uh, I was traveling to um, Iraq at the time. And one of my mentors had asked me if I had ever thought about, you know, trying out acting. So I had never thought about it. And I was just, um, I was, you know, taken aback that someone would, would take an interest in me um, and think that I was capable of doing something like that. So it, it helped sort of validate, I guess, my, um, you know, wherewithal or, or someone that, you know, looked at me in that light. So I, I decided to pursue that. In pursuing that, I found a lot about my, my identity, who I was, and all these different roles that, that, were available as an actor. So, you know, I, I took acting classes and I was intrigued by it. I thought I found out what I wanted to do. And, you know, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue it full time. And that's when um, I, I kind of stumbled upon fitness there, which was, you know, the vehicle. Um, so I always look at acting as sort of the vehicle that led me to another, um, a dream or realization of another vehicle, right? So it was interesting. Now, before you get into the gym and the getting into fitness, we'll definitely dive into that. Did you ever do anything with acting? Did you get on a show where you would have played? Did you do anything or was it, was it worthwhile to move into LA for that aspect or was it that one of those that it was a starving artist and it never quite worked out. Yeah, yeah, I was almost famous, Devin. You know, I almost made it. No, I'm kidding. I, I was, I was, uh, you know, going from from show to show. I did theater. I did um, some some commercials, very small independent films, and I tried to, you know, get my my feet wet, if you will, and and did a bunch of auditioning, and I loved it. I loved the whole process of learning from it. But I did have some small things that, that I did, but nothing on a on a on a big scale there. So but I did, right. you know, get to meet some some awesome stars. So that was cool. Someday you'll you'll return back that I have faith and you're gonna be a big <laughs> star, and then we can say we found him first. So yeah. all right. So now you get you you try acting for a little bit, have some smaller parts, do some you know fun things, but never quite have the breakout moment. But in the meantime, you kind of got into fitness and getting healthy and working out. So, you know, was that just a how did you kind of transition to that? Was it originally just working out yourself, wanting to get healthy, and then you found, you know, found that you were good at it and wanted to pursue further? Kind of how did you make that transition in your journey? Yeah, thanks. I, basically, you know, a buddy of mine knocked on. We moved out to LA together. I met him in an acting class. He was a lot fitter than I was at the time, and you know, still kind of is. Um, and he knocked on my door and I said, "Hey, you know, do you want to go for a run?" And I had never, you know, imagined doing that. So I was very, very reluctant. And I remember going on it and it, it just, you know, it, it just nearly killed me, right? I was, I was floored. I was tired. I was in a lot of pain. 
And I just remember that feeling and just sort of looking at my life and thinking, okay, you know, what, what am I doing? You know, and this, you know, this wasn't a great thing that I had gone through because it was so difficult to do. So that was kind of the moment that was a turning point. And I then realized that I wanted to try again to see if I could do a little bit better. And that's kind of how I stuck with it. And then he had asked me if I had thought about joining a gym and I didn't really think of anything, think of it at, at the time as anything, you know, substantial. I said, oh, no, I haven't. And I went the next day, I rode my bike five miles, I joined. And then I started going to the gym and I started getting addicted to that feeling of, of progress, of improvement, of, of, you know, making some strides. So I had never really gotten that anywhere in my life. So having the first, you know, feel or taste of that really um, sparked me there. So it just became sort of like a healthy obsession that, you know, I just stuck with it and I worked out all the time and, you know, four and a half years later of just working out five, six days a week, I knew a lot of things about working out, right? Go figure. So uh, later on, you know, that's when I met a buddy and he, he got me into uh, personal training. So now you get into personal training and I think you did Ragnars, you did, you know, tough or tough mutters, they did other ones, and you kind of, you know, first of all, get the certifications, you get into personal training, you find that you enjoy it, that you're good at it, and everything else. Now, we're while you're doing this, are you still doing acting, or did you shift over to training, or kind of what was that transition on a business level between what you were originally setting out to do with acting versus where you ended up? Yeah, so I, I basically had been working in restaurants for a while, and I was, I took a break from the acting scene because I didn't know if that's what I kind of wanted to pursue anymore. I wasn't getting that, that fulfillment from it. And that's when I was drifting for a little bit again, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I hit like sort of a financial crisis where I was forced to make a decision either move back to, um, you know, my homeland there, Virginia, or go back to, or, uh, you know, pick up another restaurant gig so I can afford to pay the bills. And that's when it made me look to what I was good at and or what I would what I knew my skill set and I'd actually had a realization yesterday and I was walking around and so many times we look all over the place for answers but sometimes they're just right in front of us right and and it was in my habits it was what I was doing which was working out and I said well this is something that you can do and when I did that I picked up the, the certification I studied, I really, man, I just got hit with, with clients and I didn't have time to, to do anything else. So I think I went back once to try and make it work to, to go on audition, but then it took out a big chunk of the day. And I, and I, I just gotten so much fulfillment from helping others um, reach their goals that it was kind of doing it for me. And that's kind of what you want in a career is to get some fulfillment, uh, feel good about what you're doing, learn in the process and make, you know, some decent money while you're doing it. So it hit all those boxes and that's when I just ran with it. Now, one other maybe additional follow-up to that is you got into, you say, okay, find fulfillment, find that I'm probably good at this, and it's, it's kind of where your passion is. Now, did you start out going with the franchise route? Did you start out trying to be a trainer at somebody else's gym? Did you start out your own gym or kind of how did you break in or find out which model worked for you? Yeah, so I had basically gotten offered a, um, a personal training job at a big box gym, and that's when... I, I stuck with them for about four and a half years. And then after, you know, I left, there was some time in between. And then I decided to pursue, you know, the, uh, I met a, uh, my business partner who said, 
you know, my friend at the time who became a business partner and he had asked me if I had thought about opening up a gym. And that's when everything sort of changed. We, we pursued it. We, we figured things out. One fell through and we're so, I'm so glad it did because there was no way that we could have expanded with just sticking with a, like a mom and pop gym model that would, that would, you know, just basically pigeonhole us in one spot. So the beauty of the franchise was we'd stumble, we'd looked and looked everywhere. I mean, we tried everything. We tried selling breathalyzers, t-shirts, we were like, man, we got to do something. And eventually, you know, lo and behold, we looked everywhere except for the place that was just right in front of us, which is what we were kind of good at, your skill set. So we got into franchise and that allowed us to, to expand, you know, fairly quickly there. And it just, they just make it so much easier. So now you've done franchising. Now, how long have you been doing the, the franchises with the gym? So franchising, we started off in the end of 2017 or 2018 is when we signed the, um, the franchise agreements. And it took about a year of negotiation between a lease to get the actual space, to find the space, get the, 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 the building, um, start the lease and open our doors in April, 9, April 2019. Is when we uh, when we first opened the uh, the gym there. Now I would be remiss just because you know, as you may or may or may not have heard, we've had lockdowns and COVID for the last over a year, and you always see in the news that you know, and I think there's some guy out, and I can't remember. It seems like he's on the East Coast and was fighting it, keeping his gym open. How has your experience been with you know with COVID? Is it one where you've been able to navigate it? Has it been presented opportunities? Has it presented hard times? Or kind of how has your experience been with that? And kind of, and then I'll, I, I'll try not to ask, I try not to ask compound questions, but I'm going to ask one anyway. And then kind of, where do you see things going in the future? Yeah, thanks. That's great. I basically went into, we had, we, there's three of us total, um, Dan, David, myself, you know, I owe a lot of, if not all of the success to them and what they did to sort of pivot in the times of, of adapting and, and being flexible and, and what, um, you know, helped us to stay alive or, or survive, so to speak. So we, we, uh, we pivoted, man, you know, we, we got the outdoor gym built and we, we had to shut down the first couple of months or three months. Was it and then it was just overnight. We had to, you know, with the lock, this, there was a second shutdown. We had to reopen. Uh, we had to open an outdoor gym and we had to do it in a matter of a few days because the shutdown was going to get mandated again. And, it was, it was a very, very challenging time, but, you know, I always say to people, um, you know, going at things alone is, is hard when you have a team or you have business partners, you can accomplish, you know, two to three times more if you put your heads together and, and, and work together. And that's, that's kind of what we did. We just figured it out. We, we built the outdoor gym, we adapted and, you know, it was tough trying to mandate things because it's 24 seven franchise so once you close the door you can't you're not really there so some people you know abided by the mask some didn't and we were we were trying to chase people around so we we did that we kept the outdoor gym and you know to touch up on the second question i just see that you know this was an opportunity for for business owners uh, for everybody alike to understand that when black swan events happen you know, it just goes to show your adaptability um, and flexibility in, in the times and how quickly you can you can change into those into those new shifts there. Because, you know, back to our ancestral days, things like that happened. They were, you know, I you know, I don't know too much about history, but ice ages, things came and, and people had to, to shift with the time. So the pandemic was sort of 
hour mini, you know, um, transition there. And that's when, you know, people, it exposed those businesses that were ready and those that, um, that weren't. And mm -hmm. so I think the future of fitness is kind of gonna, you know, I don't see gyms per se disappearing altogether, but I do see sort of like a home fitness thing, you know, being in, integrated with that, some personal training being delivered to the door there. And then, um, you know, who knows with, with technology, you're probably, you know, I joke around my business partners that pretty soon they're going to give you enough microchips. You're going to walk into a facility and things are going to do the push-ups for you. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, if that day comes, then we'll, we'll adapt again. I'm sure. Hey, I, I look forward to that day. If you can, I, I like to run and that's usually what I do. If I, if I get out, but if you can figure out a way that uh, I, I don't have to do the running, but I get all the benefits of it, that's the best of both worlds. So if you can invent that microchip, I'll be your first customer. No, I think that's, that definitely <laughs> makes sense. Now, one or one unrelated question, then we'll go to my the last few questions I always asked. But before that, when you shift into the outdoor gym, and you'll have to excuse my ignorance, can you do a 24-hour outdoor gym? Did you do a 24-hour outdoor gym, or was it a uh, rescale back version? So we did, um, we, we shut it down during, uh, I believe it was in the AM, 12 AM to 4 AM, where we had security outside and just um, basically guarding it. And then as we started to get more and more busy, we, we lacked the security and, and we still shut it down during those times. And then it was basically open from 4 AM to, you know, the 12 AM of the, of the following day. So um, we kept the indoors and then the outdoors is where the challenge was. So we try to limit the indoors as well um, during some points of the night. All right. Makes sense. I was just curious. I'm like, well, do you have, if you're an outdoor gym, you'd either have to have 24 hour security because otherwise I would think that you would have a problem with people maybe saying, Hey, I need to work out at home. Let's go grab some of the 24 hour fitness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it definitely makes sense. So, well, now as we do wrap up towards the end of the podcast, I do always have two questions I hit on. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? A great question. I got into um, e-commerce or online sales and I, I looked at it and I was, I didn't, I abdicated a lot of it to, I delegated, over-delegated a lot of the work and didn't really get involved in the day-to-day, -day, which I would say was the number one thing. If you want to learn something about a business, you need to know the ins and outs at least for six months to a year um, to just kind of know how it works. So that way, you know, everything about it. And that way, if it, if there's something that goes wrong, you know how to fix it because you, you know it, right? So that's, that's the one, number one thing I learned. Um, I didn't, thankfully, I didn't go in the hole too much there. So uh, it was a quick learning lesson for me. And I know people, I've read stories, people losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. So um, for me, that, that one, and basically not to start off too big. So that was another thing that I, I made a mistake. It was I tried to go really, really big and, and, and you know, put a lot of money and, and spend money on a bunch of things that I didn't necessarily need for it to take off. And my message there is start off small and, and see if you can find success in something very small. Test it first. Okay, it's working. I'm, I, I can make a dollar. Okay, great. Now, can we replicate this and can you, can you keep this sustainable? If you spend, you know, $20,000, $30,000 and you don't know if you've made a dollar yet, you're, you're going to be 
having a, a uphill battle trying to get that money that return on investment back. So start small. And then that was that was one of the bigger takeaways. No, and I think those are both great takeaways. I think that testing things out, starting small rather than just dump a whole bunch of money in and hope it works. And also knowing the ins and the outs, I think are both good things that, you know, lessons that are learned because a lot of times you get excited with an idea or enamored with it, or you think that, Hey, I'll be the exception. And so you go too fast or you don't know enough about it. And then you get into problems and you learn from those, you know, from those issues. But I think that that definitely is a good, uh, good lessons to learn and mistakes that are easy to make. Second question I always ask is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? So I say go with um, something that you're, you're passionate about. Go with your strengths. Go with something that, you know, I, as I joked around earlier about looking around, look at the things in front of you, look at your actions, your habits. What are those things that you're doing that you don't mind doing and that you can translate into, into a business? You know, if you, if you like talking to people all day, you know, maybe, you know, being a counselor or something or opening up your own counselor and counsel, you know, counseling career counseling center isn't a bad idea. Um, know your industry, know who you're up against. Right. So um, know your competition. And if there's there's people that are or companies that are doing what you're doing and have a large market share, you're going to be trying to fight, um, contest a lot of that market share. So try to offer something that separates or divides you um, either in, in, in a lower cost or in a, in just more of a, what I, what I've read as a blue ocean way. So something that, you know, is different, right. That still offers the same value proposition. Uh, never stop learning about, you know, your industry there. So if there's something that's going on, you're getting, you want to get into something, know everything about it, just learn it, master it. And, and just truly take the time to sit down with it daily, read, and that way, you'll just know everything. You'll be able to expect, you know, things to happen. Uh, go the extra mile. You know, uh, if you do offer a product, go above and beyond. Give, give that customer, that guest an experience they'll never forget. And make, last but not least, make your, your product of, of higher value than, than the dollar that's paid for it. All right. Well, that was more than one. And that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so that Sorry, was I had a lot to say. Hey, that's always a lot of great advice. I think a lot of great takeaways. And, you know, the one thing I'll add is I think on the, you know, there's a lot of times where people will say pursue your passion, but I like how you kind of said, but I think it needs to be overlaid with something that people are willing to pay you for. In other words, just because you're passionate about something doesn't always mean somebody will pay you for it. But if you can find that great intersection to where something that is wanted in the marketplace, people are willing to pay for you, pay for it, and you're passionate about it, then it gives you the best mixture and likelihood of success. So I think that that along with all the other pieces of advice were great advice. So now, just as a quick reminder to everybody, we are doing the uh, the bonus question. We're going to talk a little bit about intellectual property. So stay tuned if you want to hear or hear that question and answer. But uh, otherwise, as we wrap up the normal portion of the podcast, if people want to reach out to you, they want to um, be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to use your gym, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you or find out more? So at the at the gym space, it's anytimefitness.com. And then it's um you can just Google San Diego and we'll come up there. It's um part of a franchise. So there's like a URL, but it's like a long URL, but anytime fitness San Diego and, and we'll pop up. And then as far as the podcast and and the um valueverse, it's just uh the valueverse podcast on all streaming platforms and www.thevalueverse.com. And I'm on Instagram active on there at valueverse. All right. Well, lots of great ways to connect up to you and de definitely encourage people to do so. So 
So now as, uh, as we wrap up, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Now for all the listeners out there, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to uh, share your journey, feel free to go to uh, inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Two more things as listeners. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else in your business, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time to chat. So now that we've wrapped up the normal portion of the podcast, it's always a fun time to uh, shift gears just a bit and talk a little bit about something that's always near and dear to my heart, which is intellectual property. So with that, I turn it over to you to ask what's your uh, number one intellectual property question? Man, yeah, thank you for, for taking the time out, Devin. Um, basically, you know, and I'm sure you've probably heard, some people have, some people haven't, but, you know, everything's going towards this digital age now, right? Where we're shifting towards um, NFTs or non-fungible tokens, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking at that and I ask, my question to you is, you know, what is the future of intellectual property as far as because, you know, now it's like, hey, I got this digital baseball card or I have this digital thing here and that and you have a certificate that goes with that. And now that it belongs to this person now. So it's no longer an original if you screenshot it. So my question is, you know, where what's next? Is it are we going to have intellectual property on like conversations as our ideas like, hey, I, I said that first. And here's my certificate number to back what I'm saying. Like, what's the future of intellectual property and and how will people, uh, you know, get things, I guess, patented? Yeah, and that's a great question. Short answer is I have no idea. No, it's, um, I mean, there are, there are some, there, there is some truth to that. I don't know where it's going to head or head the non-fungible assets. I think it was, uh, I don't know, for those viewers that may, or listeners that may remember, you know, you had the Charlie Bitney video that went viral. And I think that one just sold for 700,000 plus dollars the rights wow. to it and they're actually taking it off YouTube. So if it's not off YouTube and you want to see it one last time, you only have a short window. But you know, those type of a things where it's now just all of these non-fungible assets as you mentioned, you know, you have people that are selling, you know, digital images for exorbitant amounts of money. You're also moving into, you know, cryptocurrency and other crypto related things. And you know, I think where we'll end up is you still kind of one of the tenets of intellectual property is it has to be in a tangible medium. In other words, you have to define it. So, you know, in the patents, as an example, you may, it may be an idea in your head, but you have to be able to write it out. You have to be able to describe it to a level of somebody else who can understand it. With a brand, you actually have to, you know, brand it, put it on your products or put it on your services. You have to have a website or you have to have a storefront or you have to sell it on a product. And so, and same thing with copyrights, you have to write the book, you have to do, do the movie, you have to paint the sculpture or paint the painting or do the sculpture. And so I think where it's going to head is it will probably expand into new areas of its technology and things continue to develop with this core tenant being is it still has to be something that is tangible or at least be able to have a way for people to understand it. Because if it's in your head or it's a conversation, other things, it's going to be so ill-defined that it's going to be hard to say what you actually own and what you can stop others from doing. So I think that will be kind of the core tenet. Beyond that, your guess is as good as mine because there's a lot of different things that are continuing to develop and they're all going to be interesting to see where they come or where they head. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great point. It's got to be tangible and written out. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And then I can see that being something that someone can, I guess, um, you know, trademark or, or, or um, you know, patent and say, hey, this is 
the conversation here and here it is recorded here it is written down um, mm-hmm. but it's just a fascinating time to be to be living in and obviously i just see intellectual property getting bigger because um you know now you have all these things happening with with digitization i just uh it's a it's an exciting time i'm sure for you as well just to just kind of see how this industry is going to grow even more because um before man i mean it was probably tough to to you know keep an idea or something um protected right so i imagine that it grew and this is sort of like an upcoming um field and a lot of growth in it yep and it'll be exciting to see how it all turns out and uh wait and see and uh we'll, we'll see what or what uh how life evolves so great question appreciate you asking it now if you uh if you have any other follow-up questions or if the, any of the listeners have a question that they'd like answered feel free to always uh, ping me at uh, strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat and we can always explore things further. Otherwise, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks a lot, Devin. Really appreciate you having me on. Awesome podcast you have and keep up the great work. Mm-hmm.